right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I will be fired up today, man. We're uh, we're talking a hot topic. This is as far as like just the world of hot rodding, muscle cars, racing, uh, automotive industry in general. Just everybody's talking about EV. Everybody's talking about is gas done. Everybody's talking about the heyday, the performance, the the crescendo of all things internal combustion going on in the market right now. Uh, Kevin, I'm excited because. There's definitely something going on, uh, and to get a pulse on it, to get a you know sort of a feel of it, you really have to go to performance side because that's where that's where all those trends start from, you know. Yeah, well, you know, we're getting a ton of information from the media about what the OEs are doing, right? And that's usually the boring stuff. That's the transportation. That's the A to B, right? And and what have we been doing in racing and hot rodding? We've we've kind of leveraged off what the OEs do, right? And then we make it better, bigger, cooler, faster. Right. So that's what we've been doing for 120 years. So right now we're in this, you know, transition and the OEs are, you know, dying out. Although the products right now are as badass as they've ever been. Uh, we've got a lull somewhat in this performance space. But you know what? There are some pioneers out there, some guys that are really pushing. Right. And if you think about other things like. Uh, mountain biking, Gary Fisher, you know, snowboarding, Mr. Burton, yeah, yeah. you know, and then back in the day, we had Smokey Eunuch, you know, racing engines. We got a couple of those guys that are doing this for EV, and I'm I'm excited to kind of find out what we can expect, right? Because, yeah, you can get your little commuter, and that's coming out. You can go buy one now. There's going to be a ton of them, but, you know, what can we expect as racers and hot rodders with these products that are coming out, and how can we start to you know, jazz them up, leverage them, wick, turn up the wick, you know? Not only that, but I, I think there's a, there's a perception out there and almost uh, a lot of hot rodders approach that EV or accept the EV transition with a little bit of, you know, uh, sort of a trepidation, sort of a hesitancy, yeah, sort of yeah. a, you know, a little like, I don't know. You, you, you hear on uh, TikTok videos, oh, is the soul of the car gone? Uh, are we seeing the last of the real performance cars? You have all these things raging. 
pulling you one way or another, or what, you know, all this stuff going on. But really, I think this this performance aspect really softens the blow and makes that transition so much easier. It makes the acceptance of it so much better because they're, they're, there's some power to be had out there. There's a lot of performance to be had. And when you can harness that in a way that feels similar, right, but, you know, is stronger, faster, better than it was before, then you got something. You got a hook. And that makes that transition accelerate dynamically faster. Well, anybody that's been to the drag strip, man, you've got to seen, you know, some dude rolling up in a Tesla plaid, oh, yeah. rolling down tens, rolling down nines, you know, and you're sitting there with your, you know, nasty nitrous blown, whatever going, uh, don't hate, don't hate, don't hate. <laughs> yeah. And you go to a road course, right? And you got a sedan, not a race car. You got a sedan laying down just sick ass laps. So there's something to it. It may not have been everything that we're used to, but there's some nasty stuff to be had. So we've got Blake Fuller, man. I, I rented him recently at a big sort of EV convention. Uh, and this guy is an absolute pioneer. He's a racer, he's a builder, right? So he's out there on the tarmac, laying it down in all forms, right? Whether it's Pike Peak, whether it's drifting, whether it's a drag strip, like this guy is killing it but he's also an inventor, man. He's been in the game for 20 plus years, like figuring out the stuff like Smokey Eunuch was doing in the 60s. You know, like what are we, what are we gonna want? This guy's figuring it out already. So it's gonna, I'm hoping, Blake, welcome to the podcast, man. You're gonna be one hey, of those guys you? helping to hand it on a silver platter to us kind of holdouts that are all about smelling fumes, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, we gotta have that sound, that V8 rumble, that cam, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's interesting. Um, I I'm not gonna tell you what you want because you already know what you want. You want to go fast. You want to beat the other guy. You you literally want to get pushed back in your seat. You want to excite passengers, and and you want to feel like you're a superhero. You know, I mean, that's like he's got me figured out already, man. Yeah, man. And and it's it's really <laughs> just about like how does that happen and what are the compromises and then it, and then it's really like this whole like build versus bought right you know there's just you know i think the biggest reason that i think is valid for a lot of people to um kind of hate on the nine low nine second plaids is that a lot of times people just go dude you just swiped a credit card right right and i've spent thousands of hours like slaving away at my vehicle and you don't know how many times I've gone down the strip and broken crap just to go that fast. You don't realize how much effort goes into right. it and you're just spoiled because you just bought this car and you don't appreciate how fast it is. Now, that doesn't speak for all Tesla Plaid owners. There's no, I do not want to make any generalizations as we're talking. I, hey, I do, I do, Blake, because it still doesn't soften the blow losing. I got to tell you, man, as a racer, <laughs> as a guy who yeah. put him out, look, I could, I could give him all that crap in the world and say the same thing, but at the end of the day, it still hurts a little bit, man. Still hurts a little bit. Now, <laughs> it always does. And, and that's the thing. I mean, as, as being kind of behind the driver's seat of, race cars, the driver's seat as the CEO of companies, driver's seat of looking at trying to bring new products to market. Um, it always pisses you off when <laughs> yeah. you lose, yeah, right? It and it good. also makes you upset when somebody has more money to spend in it. Because you're like, dude, I could have done that if I had the money. And that's a lot of times why, you know, those who are passionate about cars originally start building things themselves is because it's the means that they have. They have the time, they have the ingenuity, 
they can create great things because they can't buy those really, really expensive things. And look, we got and we got to take a break real fast, but when we come back, you go tell us how you're pioneering the building aspect. A lot of people don't think they can build electric cars, but there's a whole new wave and a different style of hot rodding, but it's still hot rod. It's still, you know, engine swaps. It's still going faster. It's still trying to find performance, trying to make the thing, you know, hook better, launch harder, go faster, top mile an hour, corners, uh, road courses, whatever. We'll talk about those bills, how to get them. Coming up next is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B. We're back after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And today we're talking all things EV and a little bit different EV performance. Because, look, I'll be honest, a lot of people when they think about hot rodding, when they think about, you know, sort of the, the fidelity, right? The investment of time, you know, technology, um, you know, just blood, sweat, and tear hours. We all know when it comes to building our hot rod, putting our own little personal spin on whatever platform we're building, right? Well, it's interesting because EVs have this, well, this persona of not being able to be hot rod because, you know, you just go and buy a car that runs like nines. What else do you need? Eights. But there is a growing, <laughs> yeah, there's a growing trend. You know, there's there's a thing going on where a lot of people are taking these battery setups, maybe the next wave of muscle cars or old cars or cars from the 80s, cars from the 90s, uh, early 2000s. Maybe they're the next wave of future hot rodders and maybe they're going EV. But this guy is doing it on the road course, on a drag strip, on any sort of racing there is, drifting, uh, really put it to the test. So, Blake, I'm stoked to kind of pick your brain, man. Uh, was it wild when you told people you want to kind of milk performance out of EV stuff? Because you're kind of one of the first guys to do it, to start racing it, to drifting it. It's got to be, it's got to be wild to see that reaction from, from ice performance guys, from you know, the old racing guys. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Um, <laughs> be, because of my my background in traditional motorsports, um, you know, I, I started racing at Pikes Peak when I was just about eighteen, and ended up being like the youngest rookie of the year. And and uh, I always have done things differently. And even though that wasn't electric. It was a Honda. What year was that? I was probably up there watching you, man. I, 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 I love the Pikes Peak Hill Climb stuff. In 1999, wow. it, was, it, was, it was getting dirty. There were, there were no guardrails then, and it was 80% dirt. Um, and, you know, I've, to give some context just for, for those that are listening, it's, I've been able to witness the movement of sport compact cars, of the hater against you know the imports and and how that transitioned from you know mostly body kits and wheels that were never meant to go on civics <laughs> to graphics that 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 it's like why are you making that thing look so fast it doesn't even run a 17 right. <laughs> like literally they're running 17s you know and then you know to the to the transition the spoilers, bro, the, of, spoilers. Now, the spoilers yes oh, 
I know. <laughs> There's only, you know, unless you're doing proper road racing, sorry, it's a front wheel drive. You don't really need this big ass wing on the back. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, hey, you know the difference between a spoiler and a wing? Um, credit score, bro. Credit, credit score. score. <laughs> I give you the engineer's answer, right? <laughs> you're the comedian. Yeah, it's, but, but watching that movement, uh, and then and then watching the um, kind of the those who didn't like resto mods, who didn't like the idea oh, yeah. of of taking something from you know its original type of platform, whether it be carbureted to fuel injected, whether it be you know a solid rear axle to independent rear suspension, just watching these different movements every time that there is something that people either see as a fun advantage or, or maybe an unfair advantage. Um, you know, there, there's always these transitions or inflection points. And, but in my world, I've always, I've always chased something that's different. It's, it, I get bored, you know, I get bored easily and, and I love challenges and I don't like to be different just for the sake of being different. Um, like when, when we did the Honda at Pikes Peak, um, that actually was because that's what I could afford at that time. Right. So that was my hot rod, you know, an engine swapped, you know, bigger displacement. We went from 1.6 to 1.8. Man. Killing it. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was, oh, it was really, it, the first year was really killing it at 12,000 oh, yeah, uh, feet. It was about 65 miles an hour. But, but at that point, that was an inflection point of, of my world because after that, I started a company called Braille Battery. And, and the reason I started that is because I started looking at the entire market and going, Dude, all these like batteries that are in cars are heavy, and what's the enemy of speed? Weight, right? And why hasn't it changed? So, so that got me kind of into the battery industry, understanding the psychology of like what makes people buy something that is a battery or electric, because most people only think about batteries when they fail, right? Sure. Yeah. And so, so in 2007, I had invented the first lithium starting battery for automobiles in the world, and we had now gotten that all the way to where every indie car that you see racing has a battery i've designed that's lithium iron technology we also have dtm every v8 supercar the top teams in nascar so that that's something i started in 2001 so to answer your question when i started racing electric cars it was kind of like yeah you've been doing it for a while i mean i actually started racing hybrids and i was at that time drifting in formula drift and i had talked to nissan into letting us build a hybrid time attack car. Wow. And so so that was kind of the, the first change in 2007 of going, hey, we want to build the world's first hybrid race car. Oh, no. And what was your reaction when you told me you want to build a a, a hybrid time attack car? Because it's got a lot people of are, people are starting to, People were starting to question me. Let's just put they <laughs> They're like, wait, didn't you want to go fast? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's two paths when you're dare to be different. One is you kind of eventually fail because it never really takes off. People don't embrace. And the other path is people are very uncomfortable. Maybe they don't like it, but eventually, right? Eventually you kind of, people come around and go, Hey, resto mods are awesome. And this is awesome. So, you know, you're on one of those two paths. Yes. Uh, and I think at some point, you know, Willie and I talk about it all the time because, you know, we're big you know, V8 guys, we love the sounds and we love all that, that aura that goes with it. But, uh, you know, in a couple of years, we're going to pull up to a light and whatever we're driving. And let's say Dodge has that, uh, Daytona Lake 800 thousand, horsepower, thousand. you know, all wheel drive car. And it's, yeah. And it's next thing you know, it's a thousand and it just smokes you every, every, and everybody light, has one, right. Then you're going to be sitting there going, well, mine makes noise. 
but that guy just kicked <laughs> your ass. He's got something that looks cool as hell. So it might be missing something that you really like, but it's got a whole lot of something else, it, right? And, and that's that. That is the interesting thing. Is that I, I, I just love cars. I mean, I, I love you know if it's got if it's got four wheels and will roll down a hill fast. I'll, I'll pilot it. Right. I, you know, of course I do hill climbs as well, but that's the other way around. But I just, I love them. I mean, I just, for my kids, I just on a whim went on a Facebook marketplace and bought a go-kart that was just like the go-kart that my cousin had when I was 11 years old, that I literally would go over there and just drive that thing all day long with its little Briggs and Stratton motor vibrating away. And my daughter's 11 and she is now like addicted to that go-kart. Yeah, I got, she, like, I got three of them, bro. Uh, right out yeah, back. She, 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 and, and so let's be practical. I mean, that thing doesn't even have a zero to 60 time. It's one wheel drive. Yep, so yep. it's teaching, it's teaching her some weight transfer. It, it vibrates the hell out of you. It slings, you know, oil on you. Dirt. So, you know, in life, there's all these different fun experiences. Right. And, and I look at it that it's, there's, there's always a tipping point of what makes something fun for somebody. You know, like for me, I, I own a classic mini Cooper that thing on a on a good cool day might make 63 horsepower at the crank right but it's light it's nimble you know and it, and it reminds me of the stories of when my my dad was younger and you know they would go to like riverside and it would be the little mini coopers versus the big hot rod that's cute blake that's right? cute so oh that's cute yeah. maybe one yeah, day so, that hot rod would grow up and be a real hot rod <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> actually one day that just keep feeding that me. mini might actually get an electric motor and make it a lot faster yeah, one day, man, there's, cool. there's one sitting next to it i gotta find the time <laughs> but the thing is that like it, hot rods are great because of the experience the the overall experience it isn't always just about the speed the reason that the electrics to me are becoming more and more exciting now than they used to be is they they finally have the type of acceleration and the type of performance capability that is just mind-bending and so you can you can forgive the fact that you know it's not as exciting to go through the rev band or to be able to shift or i mean to to know how to heal and toe and to never even use that technique it's like I feel like I'm, you know, selling my soul. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, there's some amazing stuff that's possible with it. And, and, you know, we can kind of dig into that a little bit more. Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, at what point did the performance aspect hook you? Because there's so much with that performance, and a lot of people are just unaware. You know, I, I don't think a lot of people have had the opportunity to drive an electric vehicle on the track yet. Uh, I've only got to do it two times in the same day, but I was, I was blown away by it. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about that. What, what's uniquely inherently different and, and how does it feel to be one of the first guys to really tackle road courses, time attacks with electric vehicle? Because, you know, there's a lot of things going on that people may not be aware of, you know, that, that heat transfer and managing, you know, the thermal management going on there is, has got to be dynamic and, and, uh, everything yeah. with the charging system. So w walk us through a little bit of that. Yeah. So, so I'll tell you what wasn't exciting very candidly was the hybrid car back in 2007. I mean, that just wasn't, it, it, it was quarter mile, 15 seconds, struggled to do 120 miles an hour. So we had, it was like a momentum car, right? But it could, you know, sort of be fun. The transition to where we are today 
um, I would say that the first time I ran Pike's Peak in the Tesla in 2016, which was a mod the Model S P90DL. So that's a car that, if on a drag strip, is going to run a high 10 second quarter mile. And I would say that for 99% of the population, you, if they're in the passenger seat, they're not going to care what the propulsion method is. It's a thrill ride. It's it's a, it's a roller coaster. You know, you're just you're pinned. You're like, oh my gosh. And in it, yeah, 10 second streetcar, yeah, you know, it, from the fact, essentially, it is. Fact, but right? what's yeah. interesting is that I would always tell people when they're like, oh my gosh, that thing is going to be so fast at Pike's Peak. It's going to be so fast around Sebring. It's going to be fast at Daytona. I said, no, guys, what's interesting is that the Teslas at that time, and they're just, we'll get to this in a, in a little bit, but at that time, I, I always likened it to the 1960s muscle cars. I said, look, I am trying to do what Penske did for the Camaro, you know, what Shelby did for the Mustang. They took something that had an amazing power plant and had an amazing motor, but had to be produced for the masses at that time. And it didn't have the cooling system. It couldn't stop reliably. And fortunately, the Teslas handled a little bit better than those did out of the box. But those same deficiencies of the original muscle cars in the 1960s, the American muscle cars, are the same deficiencies that are having to be overcome today. And that's, oh, wow. you know, that's the fun part is, is that we get to kind of find through motorsports, through racing, through data acquisition, ways to suddenly kind of round out that performance the way that a resto mod does for a muscle car. And that's, you know, something. And that's what's exciting, you know, because we talked about the OEs are going to deliver the mundane, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, some of it's going to be pretty stellar, yeah. right? If they're going to replace a Camaro and they're going to replace a Challenger or Corvette, that's going to be pretty stellar. Uh, but as you said, I mean, it, it's, it's going to keep going better and better from there because the OEs are going to do it and the aftermarket's going to do it. And we're going to solve, I think, one by one, all the different challenges and problems and end up on the other side with something probably mind blowing. Yeah, it is. And the, having been involved in racing for 20 plus years and looking at this interesting point where it used to be that racing in the, the nineties, the two thousands, um, a lot of, there was a lot of technology transfer from motorsports into the road cars. But as we started transitioning into the 2000s and 2010, suddenly the engineering groups that came from motorsports were now at the OEs and now building just amazingly well-rounded potent vehicles, like you said, the Corvette and so on. So, um, you know, I think it's a, we're going to talk a little bit more about it, but it's definitely. <laughs> yeah. On the backside of this break, I'd like to dive in a little bit more of some of the challenges. So we know from the vehicle side, right, you're starting with a Tesla. So suspension and those kind of things. But from the EV side, because at some point the EV is going to be sitting in a Camaro. So from the EV side, what are those challenges and how do you see those progressing and, and being solved in the future for things like Willie brought up heat soak on the track, you know, like quarter miles, one one thing, but, you know, couple of laps at Nürburgring, that's a, a big, big you know, <laughs> thermal challenge. So anyways, on the backside, I'd love to kind of start picking your brain on what you think and where this is going to yeah. go. Yeah, because, you, you know, there was a revelation at the, fir the first day at the track with a guy like Blake, there had to be some things that were painfully obvious, yeah. right? Like as soon as he's off the track, painfully like, all right, this, check one, check two, check three, let's get it handled. We're going to find out what those were. Coming up next is the Two Guys Garage podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B, and we're back after the break. 
It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We have our man Blake Fuller on. This guy is such an, an unbelievable force in the world of EV, EV performance, really pushing it to that limit. We need guys like Blake to find out where that is, where it's going, and how to accelerate the process of getting it to there. Now, Blake, it, it's very cool, man, because you, you're on the forefront. You get to see all these, you know, all these things that so many people miss in the, you know, let's make it for the masses world, right? When you take any platform to the track, to a course, you got to put it through the grinder, man, and it's going to reveal really fast where it's weak and where it needs attention. Tell us about that that first day and those awful reveals. What was painfully <laughs> apparent? Yeah, so our um, <laughs> our real first test of the uh, the vehicle was the P ninety DL that we had gotten in two thousand and sixteen, and we took it out to Sonoma Raceway. And what's interesting is that it was the perfect day to to make sure that I was kind of hooked because candidly, if it hadn't been such a cold rainy day. I may not, um, I may not have gotten so indoctrinated that much that day. It just happened to be that it was pouring down rain and it was just 45 ish degrees, which did not reveal everything that was bad about it with the exception of the brakes, because now you've got something that is, you know, 4,800 pounds, Wow. 50, 50, <laughs> actually as mine was equipped that day, cause I, what we did is we went, we, it was so hard to get one of those vehicles and we had a plan to take it to Pikes Peak for the 2016 100th anniversary of the hill climb and having taken my Honda there and getting rookie of the year as the youngest driver at that time and then four years later getting the first win for Honda in a Pikes Peak open class I that was the last time I had been at Pikes Peak 12 years earlier and there was nothing that had excited me to bring back there that was unique and I was like let's build a Tesla program so we picked the car up in LA, we drove it to a test day in Sonoma, and it was cool enough and wet enough that I kind of felt like a superhero on the track with the exception of the brakes, right? So so that was like weakness number one, like this thing does not stop. <laughs> on the upside, on the upside, having the quick responsiveness of the electric powertrain with the traction control allowed for that vehicle to make lap times that were equal with we're running with the Porsches we're running with cars that we had no business running for for about two laps which is when the yeah. brakes failed and so ah. when the brakes failed I knew you know what we've got to start upgrading the brakes we've got to be thinking about that side of this because physics may be able to be bent when you have 800 plus horsepower in acceleration and be kind of masked by all-wheel drive but you still got to stop the dang thing right and the car's so aerodynamic that you don't have that wind drag so so it's just it's it's like a speeding you know bullet train <laughs> that that just can't stop but the the real like aha moments is that we went straight from there after a super rapid build which you know big shout out to kurtz fab back in the day um he's in sonoma you, i can't tell you how hard it was to find a willing partner to build a cage with me nobody wanted to touch a high voltage car. One, yeah. they're like, I'm not welding on that Guess thing. Guess why? <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna die. <laughs> yeah. Number two is it's a hundred and fifty thousand dollar car. I'm not gonna fry it, right? 
But, you know, Kevin, he, he just, let's put it this way, uh, Kurt is what I was thinking of, but I, I was going to say, Kevin, he actually, um, he spent a lot of time with me to make sure that we also planned out how we were going to build the cage, what we were going to do. It took a lot to talk to, to Pikes Peak about making sure we were safe because this is like one of the heaviest things outside of like Mike Ryan's big old truck running up the hill. Right, right. Um, it, and it's an aluminum chassis. And you can't just drill holes through it and put some, you know, six-point roll cage in. You got batteries underneath there. So it, you know, big big shout out to the the Honda guys because the NSX team shared some of their secrets on how they built NSX cages for their aluminum cars. But fast forward, we're in practice at Pikes Peak in 2016, and we're running the production class. You know, we're doing testing early, like we went out a month earlier. And in the production rules, the rules say that you have to run pretty much stock equipment, right? But the thing is that we had no Tesla support. We had not we had no, there was no 100-year history of anything or even 10-year history of anything to stand on. Like we're, we're trying to figure everything else on our own. And it's also like this skunk work project where we're trying to like call all the dealerships to see if anybody will get us like service codes or get some information so that we can actually get some data because that otherwise you have no way to know what you're changing. So we, we found some willing participants who will remain nameless um, to be. Hey, and, and I was, Hey, I was there at that Pikes Peak Hill climb. There's a lot of whisper talk about you guys and the Tesla being there and the, yeah. the EV tackling the, the course that year and all that stuff. That was, that was kind of a, a, a big talk of the town of whether or not it would do and it would fare well. <laughs> Am and, I going to catch the uh, forest on fire? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Burn the whole burn everything thing. down if it crashes. Well, so yeah. quick question, yeah. going back to the brick thing, because there's a lot of region, yeah. uh, you know, from the, the EV, right? From yeah. the motor turns into a generator. So what is, do you know offhand, like, what is the general bias between what you actually have to clamp with your calipers versus what's actually being absorbed? Uh, with the with the motor side of things. So if if we're not talking about any type of thermal longevity, we're just talking about just capability. Just yeah. capability. Um, it does depend on the vehicle platform and and the the mode it's in because each vehicle has a little bit different capabilities on their regen settings. But let's just start with that original Model S. You if you were in the right conditions of is meaning like you're not fully charged, you can actually accept some. You might have about 0.2 G of deceleration, which in a percentage of what the maximum mm -hmm. the car could probably do, that's about 15% of maximum braking threshold. Wow. Now, if you transition to the plaid where we are now in track mode with full regen with the three motors, it'll do 0.4 G of deceleration. That's still pretty low. Yes. It's only about what it could yeah, because my peak, my peak you know? deceleration with slicks or with some proper R compounds because the tire tech now is somewhere around 1.4, 1.3, 1.4. Right. So it, it isn't enough to um, save the day. Offset this heavy, <clears throat> no. giant turd flying through yeah. the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's the best right, description so ever. You have confirmed there are some brake yeah, issues. Yeah, <laughs> That need to be solved, but but we we know those things from big vehicles, fast vehicles, etc. So, all right, so all right, continue on, man. You're at Pikes and you're sorting through. Yeah, so we're we're in Pikes in 2016, and we we got some people to get us some service codes, and this is like where we didn't even have access to the CAN channels yet, and we didn't want to mess with anything, so we literally had GoPro set up. 
filming that big center screen with the entire telemetry coming from the service information and filming it at what then I think was 60 frames per second was the maximum we could get. And then at the end of the day, I would literally be watching, like I have to play it back and watch and notate, put it in Excel, try to figure out where things are. And we'd figured out, wait a second, their coolant loop is basically taking like the hot water from one motor and it's not even going through any exchanger before it gets to the next one. So this is testing. And so it doesn't matter about the rules. We're just trying to learn. We're trying to figure out the limits. So we went ahead and put some additional inline cooling with dry ice and everything. And we actually found improvement. And that was like, that was like, this is kind of cool. We're tinkering, you know, we're fine. We're finding like the tenths of a second. We're finding seconds. However, <laughs> when we went back about a month later for the actual race practice, where we are now running multiple back to backs, if we had run that too long, the system would say, wait a second, there's a sensor fault because you shouldn't be able to do this for as long as you are. So that's the upside is that OEMs like Tesla are, they have multiple layers of, you know, not only just sensors there, but the calculations to look at if something's outside a parameter to keep things safe. That part's really cool. So wait, it, it was telling you it shouldn't be absorbing or moving that much power that long for that long of a time. Yes, yeah. So it shuts you down yep. or puts you in like a limp mode because it doesn't it know that you guys have yeah, inline coolers. Mm -hmm. And so it's figuring it out. Wait, I shouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. Wow, what a tricky, tricky little bean. Oh, wow, yeah. clever. Well, the OEs, even from gas engine diesel stuff, right, they'll have – thermal models in the computer. And so you can only get a sensor in one location, but from, from modeling and from testing and other, they know that if this yeah. temperature is here, then this one over here should be at this temperature, yeah. you know? And so all of a sudden things aren't adding up. It's like, Whoa, there's a sensor wrong. There's something reading wrong. Like we're out of parameters, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. And for, 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 for those who rely on, you know, one or two oxygen sensors and then go to wideband or otherwise, right? We're, we're dealing with a car that from a <laughs> headspace math, it's like trying to understand the tuning of a car with like 30 of those parameters all going on interdependent and trying to figure out how to trick them. And ultimately there was three things we did for that first race is that one is we had figured out that if the, the battery temperature started kind of low, not just from the thermal mass, but we were, we were able to basically trick the computer to start at a different baseline. The other is that we, I literally was listening to Enya. I mean, like I had to laugh when I watched the Gran Turismo movie because like the Kenny G and the Enya thing, that was like me trying to as like, I mean, you, dude, you're in front of tens of thousands of fans in a 750 horsepower car and guess how you leave the line? Like a, like, yeah. like, like literally a Miata running on three cylinders because we, you have to use the energy over time. So, you know, it was ultimately like driving like a spec Miata up there. But mm -hmm. the, the funny story is that the one thing I so had, that's all about just total thermal management, heat build. It is man. And if it, ha if I hadn't done so many like 24 hour races or rally racing when stuff broke to have that type of like long-term endurance mentality about me. There's no way that we would have put down the time we, we would have. It would have been minutes slower. because. So you were slower on the first part of the track down at the bottom because that's normally where people like to rip it. So I know. 
it's a little you more open and a little more friendly there and it's versus at the top yeah. Yeah, so I could keep you know, momentum. I could conserve the energy, the thermal management. I could keep, you know, keep everything kind of. The other challenge is that car didn't allow two pedal driving, so whenever you would touch the brake pedal, mm. it would shut it down. I mean, there's so much stuff. But when we did throw that thing on ice, I mean, it, we we did thousands of pounds of ice that we put this car on. But you know, being as smart as some people can be, we none of us <laughs> thought about the fact that we just basically froze an aluminum car. And then it was going to be put in the sun. Oh. And then my windows fogged like nobody's business. And we we're like trying to figure out how to get because oh, <laughs> the car was like freezing basically. So, but yeah, I mean, there's, dude, there's so many more, there's so many stories. But, you know, where we are today to kind of fast forward is that, you know, the, the plaid is orders of magnitude more capable on the road circuit. We've got it to where what would have been like, say, Sebring, for example, you could only get about one lap. If the car was already, you know, cool, you could get one lap out of my 2016 car. Now, in similar conditions, you can get three to four laps at Sebring if driven at like eight or nine tenths. Now, I say eight or nine tenths. That eight or nine tenths will smoke that other car. If I go ten tenths, which I happen to, the current published record is 2.99 around Sebring for my car. But let's just be a spoiler. I haven't put it up yet. I've done a 2.13 in that car. I've had it to where I'm sitting there with people in the car and I've got four seats now that I've set back up into this thing, moved it into like a four-seater experience car for a little while. And we'll be going around at like Porsche GT2 RS speeds for a few laps now with four people hmm. in the car. And that is exciting. Yeah, I think, you know, my limited experience in, in the battery world, right? It's You're building heat because you're, you're flowing current, right? You flow yeah. current through any wire and it's going to start getting hot. Right. And, you know, it's the yep. same idea as a gas engine. Well, from my experience so far, the OEs are trying to get power density. So when you think about uh, the gauge of a wire, right, the thicker the gauge, the more current you can flow without the heat. Well, they're trying yeah. to take anodes and cathodes in cells and they're trying to make them as thin as possible to, to make more room for energy so you can go farther. So I think yeah. at some point when we get battery technology better, we can thicken up anodes and cathodes and bus bars and all the way current is flowing and hopefully be able to get the current out, you know, to the tire, yep. back in, in charging, whether you're regen braking or, you know, at the, at the fast charger. So this, you know, you're trying to leverage what the OEs are trying to deliver first gen, right? Think about the 19 teens, twenties, like what the OEs yeah. were delivering, right? This is kind of where we are with, with EV almost. But we're already yeah. delivering, you know, one, two, three laps of GT3 type experience at Sebring, which is pretty impressive. So, man, we're going to have to have you back on because, uh, yeah, yeah, you've got a lot. <laughs> you've got crazy. a lot going on, a lot of experience. We got to get you both in the car. There you go. Because, you know, okay. that, that twist ball. There's, there, yeah, there, <laughs> no, there's nothing like experiencing it because I can I can try to explain it as much as I want. But once you have experience, you go, you know what? I'm excited about the future. It's different, but it's pretty yeah. freaking exciting. <laughs> yeah, man. Lots to get excited about. How do people follow you, find you? Uh, f just kind of follow what you're doing. Yeah. So the one of the places that I probably have the, the most people following of some of the stuff I do is LinkedIn, which is my name, Blake Fuller. Um, or I think it's elect Blake Fuller. The, uh, the other social is at Blake Fuller TV, going back to the days of TV. 
Uh, and then uh, the website is electricperformance.tv. It gives uh, a little bit of uh, links to our YouTube channel, some of the stuff we're doing. I honestly could have a better social presence, and there's so much cool stuff that we're doing that I'd love to share. But, you know, right now the focus is on getting the job done and going fast. Amen to that. Uh, well, yeah. Don't forget about our TV show. You can find it every weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Also available on Motor Trend Plus, which is a streaming format. A great way to find us. Thanks to our guest, Blake Fuller. Man, make sure you guys follow him. Can't wait to see the next report and update what he's doing next, man. Uh, our producer, Scoop, executive producer, Bob Ecker. He is Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B for the Two Guys Garage podcast. Yeah, don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Guys Garage. This Two Guys Garage podcast is copyright 2023, Brenton Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. Right on, Blake, man. Good catching up. I can't wait to talk to you again, man, because we definitely will. Yeah. Uh, Blake, man, thanks again. That was awesome. And like I said, we're going to have to have you back on because this is an evolving thing, right? We're all kind of nervous about it. We're excited about it. There's so many emotions going on, uh, and it's going to happen over the next 20 years. So we'll keep you on. Uh, you know, on the docket so you can kind of keep us informed on, you know, what the experiences are, what what to expect and what's coming. So thanks. Uh, thanks again. And guys, we'll catch you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.